Hey, have you ever been at a, um, at a church service? Not here, because we don't do it. Uh, have you ever been at a church service where you uh, passed the peace? Raise your hand if you've ever done something like that. Passing of the peace. Okay, all right. Raise your hand if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Raise your hand, it's fine. That's good. Okay, so uh, what gonna, well, we're going to do it. So what I'd like you to do after you've now gotten comfortable and everyone has opened up their, their hard candies, um, <laughs> act like I don't hear it up here, I do. Um, <laughs> what I want you to do is you're going to pass the peace. You're going to stand up and you're going to greet one another. You may do one of these things if you don't want to shake hands, so it's COVID or or fist pump, whatever, Shake, just respect each other. So if you see a hand coming for you and you don't want it, don't dodge it. Just kind of do one of these things and we'll just do a fist pump. But stand up, greet one another, and say, peace be with you. And then I'll explain why we're doing this, all right? Stand up, greet one another, say, peace be with you. Go ahead and have a seat. Good job, good job. And now you see why you don't do it, because you got people like Joyce Blake who goes and works the room. (laughs) (laughs) Passing of the pieces is a tradition within the church. It's typically done at specific moments within the church service. Uh, of, of what I've read, because it's been a while since I've done this. I, I did this in a Lutheran church, and I couldn't remember where, where it fell in the worship service. And so uh, sometimes it's done between the proclamation of the word, what I'm about to do right now, and the Eucharist of what we're about to do in just a minute. And, it's this, and usually what happens is bef- after the word, there is a confession of, of sin of sorts, like we do already, to come to the table assured of our pardon, cleansed of our sins, that kind of thing. And so when we do the confession of sin and the assurance of pardon, we are reminded that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with him. We have peace with him in that, that the thing, the sin that stands uh, in between us being fully with the Lord, fully redeemed, that has been absolved in Christ. And through our faith in Jesus, we, we partake in that, partakers in that peace. And so then we do this passing of the peace with each other because if I have experienced such wholeness and such redemption with the Lord for the wickedness of my sins, how could I ever hold any of you in contempt or have a grudge against you? And so you, you share that peace with each other and it's supposed to be a moment of Joyce work in the room finding someone that she has a grudge with and saying, hey, it's okay. You know, but you know, to have that time of peace because within us as believers, especially with brothers and sisters in Christ, that needs to, we need to rest in the peace with each other that we also have with the Lord. Because if we're fighting and we're tearing each other apart, which the media loves to show, loves to show denominations and, and different people ripping each other apart over Scripture. That gets the main stage, and then the unbelievers look, and they say, well, they don't really have it all together, now do they? 
And so it's important. It's important to remember that I have received the peace of God. My sinful state is, is no longer in play. A forgiveness from the Lord and has brought me this perfect peace. And now I share that with you so that I can have peace with you as well, my brothers and sisters in Christ. So peace be with you all. And you all are supposed to say to me, and also with you. So peace be with you. Very good, very good. We're in a current sermon series right now uh, called Waiting on Christmas, and it's this whole idea based off of Psalm 40, verse 31. And I'm going to put the verse up there so that you can see it. Psalm 40, verse 31 says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, it's not necessarily a common Christmas passage. Isaiah has tons of Christmas passages. This is not necessarily one of them. It's one of my favorites, though. And I thought about us as a church, and, and I shared a little bit of this at the Advent dinner, but I thought of us as a church and the season that we're in, and, and we, have, we have run a, a race this year of 2022 of lots of monumental occasions for the church. We celebrated the, uh, the 17 years of, of pastoral leadership from Dr. Jerry Hasberg, and we went into a time of transition where you entrusted the kid uh, to kind of oversee, <laughs> oversee the, the church while the PNC did their, did their work and did their due diligence, and we walked through those, those waters together. And I was very, very anxious, as some of you may know. I was very anxious through that whole thing. I used to be a lot thinner than this. I found out that I feed my anxiety. So there it is, you know? I, I, you know, and, and I joke about this, but it's true. An emotional eater for all the emotions, happy, sad, glad, mad, you know, boxing day. But anyway, so, but we, we ran that race, right? And so as I thought about Christmas, okay, here we come into Christmas. We're coming into Advent. And you preach, ad, we preach Advent every year. And you can only dress up this story so many ways, right? After a while, it's the same story. It doesn't change. So what, I asked the Lord, what is it? What, what do we need to focus in on as a church? What, what, what message is there? And this, this passage, this waiting on him came, came to mind because I hate to wait. I, as, as Carrie said in her children's message, I was so excited for the gift, I gave it to her because I just wanted, <laughs> wanted to see how she, how she was. I want to know the endings to the stories before they happen. That way I can figure it out, you know? I don't necessarily like to wait, and then the Lord always brings me to those seasons of waiting, and it's because in the seasons of waiting, wait doesn't necessarily mean pause as much as it means to remain with God, to tarry with God, to keep on keeping on with God in the midst of everything that is going on. And what Isaiah promises is that those who do that and it's steeped in faith, and it's steeped in peace that we're going to talk about today. Those, those who can do that will have their strength renewed. And I looked at the word renewed in the Hebrew there, and I'm not the greatest of Hebrew scholars, but I looked at that, and actually it could also mean renew to take away, that it passes away. And I said, well, that doesn't bode well for interpretation. We're all talking about being strong. But what it means is that you're your own definition of what strength is, your, your own ways of building up your muscles, that passes away and you are renewed with this new strength 
that can move mountains, that can soar with eagles, that can run and not grow weary, and can walk and not be faint. There's an old saying called muscles for show and muscles for go. Muscles for show are those people in the gym who kind of walk around like this. And then you see them out there and they can't even pick up their bag while they're done, you know. Those are muscles for show. I have muscles for go, everyone. (laughs) No. But muscles for show, biblically speaking, is going about life thinking that you can do it on your own. Going through a cancer diagnosis, going through divorce, going through death in the family, going through suicide in the family, going through any list of things that people in this room that I know of have experienced and doing it on your own. That's a muscle for show, and it won't do a ding-dong thing. But muscles for go, the renewed strength, is the muscles that the Lord gives us by waiting and staying with Him, by remaining in His Word, by following His ways, and, and really and truly by that last line, just taking each step daily with Him. I can't run yet, I can't soar yet, but I'll take a step with you. And that doing that is the strength that renews, that can move mountains of fear and doubt and sadness and things like that that can kind of sometimes get in the way of our trusting the Lord. And so what better way in Advent, a season of, of, of expected promise, of the coming of the Messiah, of, of thinking of the Israelites who waited hundreds of years for this promise to come to fruition. You think about the book of Malachi to, to Matthew, and there's hundreds of years that separate that time of, for us, biblical silence. And yet we find Mary getting visited by the angel in a system and in a culture where religiosity and where we're striving to know God still exists. So they still kept on with the Lord, even though as Jesus starts picking away in his, in his earthly ministry the mistakes that they have made, their, their, their uh, wanderings of their, of their interpretation, I guess. They, they still stayed with God. The, re, the, 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 the people of the Lord didn't die out. There was still that, that tradition that continued on. That's very powerful if you think about it. They waited. They waited. Now, our waiting looks a little different on this side of the cross, but still achieves the same goal. Because even though we're celebrating Advent, the coming of the Messiah, we already know that the Messiah has come, that the Messiah has died and rose again, and we wait for him until he returns. So our waiting is a, is a little bit different, but nonetheless... It is reminding us to assure our hope in Jesus Christ, to secure our peace in him, to have our joy be overflowing and being fulfilled and our love being spilt out because of what we know about Christ. And that's what we're going to do this Advent season. Our topic today, last week, Lisa Yoder did a fantastic job in setting us up for hope and the assurance of hope. And the one thing that I would just have you all remember, remember the biblical hope that we always talk about is not a wish. You don't wish upon the star. You know it. It's expectant. You are ready and anticipating it to come to fruition. There's no other mind to say that it's not going to happen. Today, we're going to talk about how we secure our peace. And we're going to look at Mother Mary. Mother Mary comes to me, right? You know, speaking words with now. Uh, but anyways, we're going to look at, at Mary 
And I feel bad for Mary. I was, in, I was in, uh, getting ready this morning, and I thought, Mary, poor Mary, she gets a, a bum rap sometimes in the Protestant church. Uh, sometimes Mary gets thrown out with the Catholic bathwater, and, and we, uh, we kind of just, just kind of give her a nod here at Christmas and then move along. Uh, Mary's important. Mary is an, a very important person in this entire story. Something about her and her heart the Lord chose her to do this task. And we ought not just to be, give her a nod at Christmas. But she's very, very important. Doesn't mean that we have to pray to her or do things like that. But she is important to understand how this whole act of redemption and reconciliation that's going to happen uh, through the, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, through her. And so let's look at Mary today. And we're going to look at her as the paragon of peace. How does how does, why typically peace is usually associated with her during Advent. What child is this doesn't help us out because she sings him the lullaby and all the things. And so what, what does it mean? Why is Mary associated with peace? And how, how could a woman such as this, a young woman, when this was happening, be visited by an angel, be told this crazy thing that's going to happen, and at the end of it, she looks to the Lord and says, may it be done in me. And then a few moments afterwards in our scriptures, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. How, 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 how does this happen? How does she get to this state of mind? Let's talk about it. So let's dive in. We're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And you have uh, the pew Bibles there that I invite you to open up and look at. And we're going to read this kind of together and, and talk about it. How can she say, may be done to me? How does she have this, this level of calm assurance, hope, and peace in the sight of what's about to happen? So, open up your Bibles. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And let's hear a story we have heard, but let's hear it with New Year's. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. We don't have time for that. There's so much packed into that verse of, of just like to like root this in Old Testament theology and everything, the whole Nazareth thing, the whole uh, uh, house of David thing. That's just go research that. We don't have time. Uh, but that is, that is a huge, huge verse there. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern, well, what sort of greeting might this be? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Again, another powerful passage in here, tying everything back to these Old Testament prophecies that you remember Carrie said, God was so excited for Jesus that he let them know hundreds and thousands of years prior to that this was going to happen. Well, now this angel comes to Mary and says, ding, da, ding, today's the day. And, and, and it's going to happen in your womb. And Mary said to the angel, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me, may it be done to me, according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I think about Mary, and everyone think about Mary and you, and, and, and there's the song, Mary, did you know? Did you know all of these things? And we could go back and forth of whether or not she had that foreknowledge or not when the Holy Spirit came upon her. Did she understand everything was going on? I don't know. But I do know that she was called favored. I do know the angel goes through all those, those Old Testament prophecies to say this is all going to come about in you. And she has the supernatural strength to say, okay, it may be done in me. Think about what she just signed up for. Remember, we are on this side of the cross. We know for sure what she signed up for. She signed up to be unwed and pregnant in a town that, that people would definitely be looking at her thinking, oh, sure. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Lord gave you a baby, Mary. Yeah, right. That they had to travel to Bethlehem. How many women in here, you know, would, if you were pregnant, would want to hoist yourself up on a camel nine months pregnant? Anyone signing up for that? Probably not. Her husband's dreams. Joseph had dreams while they were traveling of people who were going to come after her baby. And she had to deal with that. She had to give birth in horrible conditions. There was not a sanitary hospital room. It was in some far off place, cave, whatever. She had random visitors to her hospital room. Shepherds, dirty, sheep, people from other countries. She loses Jesus at the temple. Remember that little parent fail? Yeah. It gives great hope to us parents, you know. If, if Caleb gets left behind somewhere, I'm like, listen, you know, Mary and Joseph did this to Jesus. It builds character. You're fine. <laughs> she stands aside and becomes a student even though she's a mother. How many parents in here be able to do that? To have your child say to you, I'm here doing something else. You need to wait. She watches her son be wrongfully accused, beaten and crucified. She says, may it be done to me. She watches her son be wrongfully accused, beaten and crucified. Then she watches her son lift his head and say, it is finished. And then the more gut-wrenching thing is that she then has to leave that hill with John and then everybody else that is with her and walk away thinking that it's all done. Can you imagine that walk? She says, may it be done to me and this is what's going to happen. Now, of course, she also gets to see and watch the, the resurrection with everybody else, but she says, may it be done to me. And I don't know if she saw the cross and all of this, but she did see that there was the possibility that within her womb, the angel's prophecies to her are all going to come to fruition, that she is going to literally carry the agent of reconciliation, 
the Prince of Peace. She will carry that with her, inside of her. And so I think that when that angel says that to her, when the Holy Spirit comes upon her, there is that supernatural strength where she says, may it be done to me, because she's holding in her womb the redemption for the world. Isn't that something? Isn't that a way to build up strength? She waits nine months holding this child, going through all of those things until the time comes where she gives birth and that child cries, I'm very sure, let out a scream that whether or not the whole world heard or not shook the world to say that redemption is here and it is starting. This is why I think she is held up as an example of how we can have peace and strength. And it's not just a comforting peace. Let's not go there. It's not a comforting peace, but a full wholeness with God. And that brings me to my second point. Mary waits on God and is able to say, may it be done to me, but she also experiences the word shalom. Have anyone ever heard that before, shalom, right? And that's, a, you know, that's a, that idea of peace as well. But a deeper understanding of the word shalom means wholeness with God. It means restoration and reconciliation of our relationship with God. And so when Jews were to say that to one another as a greeting, shalom, it's not so much may your life just be comfortable, but it's also may you have restoration. May we have reconciliation with our Lord. And so we go back to the Garden of Eden. Remember, Carrie said that God was so excited to let everybody know that the Messiah, this greatest gift is going to come, that he said it through all of his prophecies. But did you know he says it all the way at the Garden of Eden? So if you go to the Garden of Eden and everything was great, we had shalom with God. We had a perfect whole relationship and then we tarnished that and it broke. But God does not leave us there in that broken state. He says to Eve, Generations, I don't know, gener but from you, Eve, is going to come a, a child. And that child is going to deal the devastating blow to the serpent's head. He says it right from the very beginning that I am going to set this right with you. And so it launches humanity into this in-between space. This in-between space of, of not having shalom, wholeness with God, and knowing that it's going to come. The entire Old Testament is what's called living in this liminal space. Liminal space means I'm not where I was, and yet I need to go where I need to be, and I'm not there yet. I know where I need to be, and I'm not there. It's like standing in a doorway, half and half. You're not really in, you're not really out, you're just kind of in the middle there. That's the entire Old Testament. Because in the liminal spaces where God does great work. Because as humans, when we are not in control, when we're not where we're, where we're used to be and we're not where we're supposed to go and we're kind of in this no man's land, we begin to wrestle with control with God. We begin to do things on our own strength. We begin to say to the Lord, I don't need you. How many times in the Old Testament did they wander away? They got tired of waiting on God. They made up old idols and they started worshiping them because then they can control it. So in this liminal space of back and forth is where humanity finds itself. It's where Mary finds herself as well. And God says, okay, Mary, you're going you're gonna to bring forth the person that's going to transition us out of this space and, and set us in a new, new space. 
and you are going to experience that, and that this new space, this, this opportunity now, of course, this has not been said to Mary, but we know it to be true, this new space, we can experience the fullness of shalom with Christ. That if we who believe in him, we are forgiven of our sins, the brokenness of that relationship, and we are made whole together with him. Now, the problem with that is, is that we leave one liminal space to go to another, don't we? The Old Testament is waiting for the Messiah to come. Well, the Messiah came. Now we're in a new liminal space because we're waiting on the second coming, aren't we? But the difference between us in the New Testament and those in the Old is we can have the experience, peace, shalom with God in its fullness, even though we're not in the kingdom of the Lord yet. We can have that because we know Jesus came. And we know that Jesus ministered and we know that he died on the cross and that he rose again for us and that those who put their faith in him shall not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. Complete shalom with the Lord. And so we wait in this liminal space until he comes again. And do we wait and be idle? No. We wait and do what Christ called us to do in the attitudes, which is be makers of peace, to be the agents of peace for this world as well. And so at the beginning of this worship service, I had you say, peace be with you to each other for the sole purpose of this point right now, that what our call to do right now is to be agents and makers of peace, to bring that shalom to others so that when they're fighting with God and then in their valleys and in their in their confusion, in their doubt, we can shine a light in there and show them that there is wholeness available should they believe in Christ. Last story, and then we'll have communion. Yesterday, I was ringing bells with the Salvation Army. Ding, da, ding, da, ding. My kids were doing it. It was great. Ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding. <clears throat> and I said to Karen, I'm going to go inside and get us some drinks because the kids were getting a little antsy. So I go inside, and I get myself... Uh, bubbly, those little um, uh, sparkling waters. Um, I got something for Carrie, caffeinated, and then I got a Dasani water for the kids. And I go to the self-checkout line. I hate the self-checkout line. Does anyone else hate the self-checkout line? Do I get a bonus for working? I mean, come on. So I did the self-checkout, and I, and I ring them in, and I Dasani waters last, and it says, boop, please put it back and try again. Okay, pick it up. Please put it back, try again, help will be with you. And then the light starts blinking. Do you know every time that that light blinks, I get exponentially more angry, just with each one? <laughs> and so I said to the manager, I said, come here, I need your help. And it's this kid, 20, 18, 19, 20 years old. And he comes up, and he comes up to me, he goes, well, where did you find that? That's how he said it. Where did you find that? I went, excuse me? Like, I just got this, excuse me? And he says, where did you find that? I said, from your cooler over there. And then as I heard my voice and the tone that I was taking, the word of the Lord came upon me. <laughs> and I took a breath and I thought, he's having a bad day. It's fine. It's just a sunny water. You are going to go outside in an eye shot of him and ring a bell for Jesus get it together <laughs> and try to be an agent of peace with this guy. Remember, 
Peace be with you as we say that to people. Be agents of this peace because we know it for sure. We know that it's possible. We live in the liminal space of the now, not yet, where we know Christ has come and the fullness of his glory and majesty and reconciliation, all the things that he's promised are, are, are made, are done, are completed in him. And the not yet where we'll be in the kingdom of the Lord forever and true shalom and true peace and hope and all the things will be there. So in the not yet, as we live here in this liminal space, be agents of peace. Let us not waver from that. Let us not uh, go away from the security of the peace of the Lord and let us have peace with one another. Peace be with you. On the night the Lord was to be betrayed, he gathered his disciples together in the middle of a chaotic mess, in the middle and the shadow of what's going to come. And he gathered his friends together, Judas included, and he pulled them together and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup the cup of salvation, and he said, this is the new covenant, my blood shed for you. Drink ye all of it. And for as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And Paul reminds us that every time we gather together to do this as a fellowship of believers, we proclaim Christ's death until he comes again. We proclaim Christ's death in the liminal space of the not yet until he comes again. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this food that we are about to eat and this gift of, of this um, sacrament, the Lord's Supper. May we, as we take this, be strengthened, renewed in our strength to soar when we can soar, to run when we can run, but every day walk with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you.